theyeshiva.net. No, everybody understands the chilek of akudim, the kudim, brudim, the difference of the, the achdos and tikkun and the achdos and akudim, the difference. So you mean the top level again? Akudim. The ten lights are bound up in one vessel. So you don't, have, you don't even have ten different expressions. You only have one expression. Because that's what's nirgish, that's pre tayu because what's nirgish is the Ein Saif. And therefore you don't have ten different expressions, you have one expression. That's Hakudim. Then you have Tayu, which is what? Which is Nikudim, we have ten lights and ten vessels, but each one is completely self-contained. As he puts it, that in Tayu, it's Nikudais, Zu, Tacha, Zu. Every sphere, every Mida is completely independent. There's no Iskalulus, everything has its own self-contained essence. And this is basically where animals come from. Every animal has its own distinctive nature and it's non-negotiable. There's no compromise. It is what it is and it is what it is in the most ferocious, powerful way. There's no hiskalos because animals are rooted in toyu and they cannot tolerate someone that is not their min often. And then you have the third, which is tikkun. What's tikkun? Eser oiris. Also eser kalim, but parts of him structures, organisms, like a body, limbs and organs that work always with each other. They're tied into each other, they're interconnected, they borrow from each other, they lend to each other, and so on and so forth. And that's the third process. So Tikkun and Akudim have a common denominator in the sense that what? That there is a scholarless integration, but you can't compare over there, the integration is not because the Midas are weak. Fakert, they're the strongest ever. In Tikkun, the reason is integration is because everybody realizes his limitations. Everybody has Bittl, everybody has Chalishus. There's so much going on, there's so much diversity. And because the diversity forces you to put things in perspective. I can't say my way or the highway because there's no one highway. There's hundreds of highways. There's hundreds of highways. That's Chalishas Agufar Goshas Atzmusi means the less self-consciousness. In Tikkun there's less self-consciousness. Yeah. But Chalishas is not a bad thing. Chalishas just means you're, you're, of course it has a chisam, but it also has a tremendous maila. You're not operating in, in a primal, infinite, volatile state. There's so many different kavim, there's so much diversity. That's what Tartsufa means. Everything is connected with something else. It's like the World Wide Web. There's no one website. You understand? There's endless diversity. And the endless diversity ultimately dilutes energy because we realize that this is all about cooperation. It's about cooperation. You can't function without. There's nothing you can achieve without cooperation. Could you build something without cooperation? Co-operation, right? You need your co's in order to operate. Everybody has their mission, their shlichas, b'tzalom elokim, also sadam zacher and nekeva. In akudim, in akudim is achdos, not because there's so much diversity, because there's absolutely no diversity, because it's all the ein soif, it's the opposite. So toyu captures the ein soif quality of akudim. And tikkun captures the hiskalalos quality of akudim, which essentially... The Iskalos means the integration, yeah. Because in Toyu, it captures the Ein Soi, but it captures the Ein Soi in terms of ego. In other words, that I am I, and that's it. Those are the three states that we addressed.
Chalishas means diluted. You know when you pour the water into the wine, right? What's called mizug. You dilute the intensity of the wine. Compromise. The idea of pshara. In, in, in the positive sense. Compromise. Seeing seeing different perspectives. Yeah. What? Huh? In our context, negotiation means that I I respect that there's another view. There's two different views, and I need arbit- I need arbitration, an element of arbitration. In Toyu, that doesn't exist. The mile in Toyu is intensity, primal. Raftfu is shar, the koyach of a behemoth, the koyach of a chaya. That single-minded focusness. I have a friend, uh, his name is Bernard, Kivi Bernard. So he wrote a book called Leprodology. He grew up in Africa. Leprodology is basically, (laughs) he uses a leopard to define and explain how you should run your business. Basically, you should learn from a leopard pursuing its prey. So he goes through all the characteristics of how the leopard does it, that's how you should run your business. The biggest idea over there is the single-minded focusness. In the leopard, there's no distractions. The leopard doesn't say, oh, I just got a text. You know, let me go check the text. Let me check my emails. Let's, you know, when that leopard is, is pursuing its prey, if you ever uh, see these documentaries, you ever go to these jungles, it's, it's incredible. That single-minded focusness, you know, that, the primal instinct to survive and live and feed her cubs is just so powerful, it's so infinite. Like I discussed last, uh, the email that I got from uh, that person who becomes alive in the jungle, you know. <laughs> Come alive from that, that experience. Okay. We gave two metaphors to apply it to life. One day we discussed the metaphor of marriage, right? There's the notion of marriage that we get along because we're exactly the same. But what happens is when differences emerge, there's no basis for the marriage anymore because we're not the same anymore. As long as we can keep up the idea that we're identical, wonderful. But when you learn that you're not identical, what happens then? And this is where you have to go from a world of toihu, which is vayimlech vayamos, either I'm the king or you're the king, but two kings can't uh, coexist in one house, to the world of tikkun, which is Adam, not behemah, which is betzelem alikim, oses Adam. And we discussed the Ramban, who says that marriage is unique to the human race, because Adam and Chava were really one, and then they were separated. So that's why even when we come together with our spouses, it doesn't feel always, it doesn't have to feel superimposed. Like it's a new reality. Very often people say, you know, marriage is just superimposed. It's not natural. Naturally, I am I, and you are you. And that's what Toyu says. Toyu says, just move into another house. Tikkun says, the ultimate I can only be realized when the I is in a relationship with you, because Adam, Begematria Ma, there's a memory of Adam and Chava who are really one, which is the memory of Akudim that informs Brudim. It's the memory of Ein Soif that inspires the cooperation that is in the world of Tikkun. There's some sense of attachment that still exists, and therefore I connect to you. And then we discussed also the concept of different identities in terms of politics, how you create the balance of Yachid and Sibur in terms of governments, in terms of empires, in terms of regimes, and also in terms of the Jewish people. Also in terms of the Jewish people.
Let's now go weiter inside. Samach Vav, Amud Beis, the second paragraph, page 131. <coughs> with all of this we'll be able to understand what Chazal say in Mesechus Brachas, Birches Hazon Tikin Moshe. Moshe instituted the first bracha of Birches Hamazon. Yehoshua instituted the second bracha, which is Birches Haaretz. David and Shloime instituted the third bracha, which is Boine Yerushalayim. Which was the theme that uh, the Alter Rebbe discussed in the beginning, the Balatanya discussed in the beginning of the Maimer, that the Gemara goes through the various brachas and who instituted these brachas. So Moshe does Hazanas HaOilam Kula Betuvoy, and Yeshua does Birchas Now what's the Havon in here? The Gemara says there that the first three brachas of Birchas HaMazan are Menatayda. The third, HaToyva HaMetav, is Medirabonon, because it was instituted after the Harugei Beitah, which means decades after Churban Bayesheni. So of course it's a mitzvah Dirabonon, can be a mitzvah Menatayda. So the Rajbe, there in Gemara, Chidusha Rajbe, asks a question. This is really the question he's trying to answer. If Yeshua instituted, or Dovid or Shloim instituted, you can't call it Minatayra. A mitzvah Minatayra is only a mitzvah that was given L'Moyesha Misina. There's no such a thing, Dovid and Shloim make a mitzvah Minatayra. We have in the time of Dovid and Shloim the dinam of Muktzah. When Dovid died on Shabbos, Shloim didn't know how he could carry in his body. Abba, haklovim re'evim, Abba mutal bacham, what am I supposed to do? But you're not going to call Muktzah Minatayra. Muktzah was created by Sanhedrin, by Bezdin. It's called Torah Shabal Peh, not Torah Shabiksav. Minatayda, the only authority for Minatayda is God. And God conveyed it through Moshe. And Minatayda, Azoyis Leitayim Uchlefes. There's not going to be any new mitzvahs Minatayda that somebody comes up with. There's no Hefkadis in Judaism. Despite what many Orthodox Jews think, because they don't realize that there's an intricate system. There's no Hefkadis. So the Rajbah asks an Eisner Shaila. So how could, how could Birchus HaMazim be Minatayna? Yeshua can't make a mitzvah Minatayna. David and Shlomo can't make a mitzvah Minatayna. Either it was given to Moshe. It could be Halacha L'Moshe Misina, which means it's not written in the Chumash. So the Rajbah says, what's Pshat? Of course the three brachas are Minatayna, it means it had to be for Moshe Rabbeinu. It's Pshat, however, that you have the, the, the core bracha, and then you have the Nusach of the bracha. Yeshua developed the Nusach based on Eretz Yisrael. David and Shlomo developed the Nusach based on Yerushalayim, because they're the first ones who conquered. David is the one who settled Yerushalayim. Yeshua took them into Eretz Yisrael. So Yeshua could already speak about the fact, Moshe can't say those words. He's still in the desert. He never goes into Eretz Yisrael. But the concept of the three brachas belong to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's why the Gemara says, brachas v'achalta So Shem HaLekecha Loretz HaToiva. So the Gemara says, as he brought... This was written by Moshe. Parshas Ekev is not Yeshua. Parshas Ekev is Moshe. But then it's an interesting thing. If that's the case, that means that the Nusach changes over the generations. Why does the Nusach change? It's adopted according to that door. So that's why we say Birchis Hazan was nistaken through Moshe Rabbeinu. But now the interesting shaila is what he brought up, that in the first bracha you only speak about Hazan HaSakayim. In the second bracha you speak about two things. You speak about Allah Aretz, Va'al HaMazan. 
So the Gemara says that the reason you end up with two things, even though every bracha is supposed to be at one, one, one item, because it's Eretz the Mafka Mazen. It's the land that produces Mazen. Allah Eretz, Allah Mazen is not two things. Allah Eretz, the Mafka Mazen. The Eretz, that's Mafik Mazen. So he asked, why do you mention even, why do you even mention Mazen? So he says, for this you have to understand what's the concept of the three generations made the three different brachas, and why by Birchus Hazon you don't mention anything else of the other brachas, and yet in Birchus Haaretz you mention Mazon and you finish off Al Aretz Valamaz. So now he went into the whole discussion of Achila, Kavanas Achila, Kol Moitzapi Hashem Yechia Adam. For this he went into Toyu and Tikkun. From this he went in from Toyu to Tikkun, Lechem in Aretz to Lechem in Hashemayim to the man. From this he went into Akudim. And Moshe not having the ability to speak. Now he says, according to this, Yuvam Hashem Razal Birchus Hazan Tikkun Moshe. Keep a Birchus Hazan Nemer Hakol Beloshin Nister. In Birchus Hazan everything is in Loshin Nister, meaning concealed language, meaning we speak in third person. Who knows in Lechem Lechal Basa? In the second bracha we speak in second person. Take a look. Baruch Atah Hashem Lekeinu Malach Olam. I'm not talking to him. I don't say Ata Noisen Lechem He gives us. Uve Tuvoy, not Uve Tuvcha. Uve Tuvoy in his goodness. He feeds everybody. Suddenly, in the second bracha, Noida Lecha Hashem Alekeinu. You could say Noida Loi. Al Sheinchal Tolav, you say no. Not Al Sheinchil. From Lashanister, which means third person, like somebody who's not here. It's called Lashanister. You speak about them like they're not here. When if you're here, I don't say who. I say Atta, right? Kuf Shlishi, yeah. There's a change here. What's the Havana? Vahainu, Mipnei, Ki Moshe, Bebchin, Shema, Kamoshu, Be'etzem. Moshe represents Shema, Venachnu, Ma, the name Memhei, with a Shin in the middle. But the way it is in its core, and when something is in its core, it's not revealed. He transcends the way the Moichin inspires emotion. In Moishe's state, it's Shema at its core. The Pnimiyus of it, not the Chitzainis. As you recall, everything has two states. The way I am vis-a-vis me, and the way I am vis-a-vis you. When something becomes a source of inspiration, I'm tuning in only to its external layer, meaning the way it informs me, the way it inspires me, the way it invigorates me, what it means for me. Torah is basically the blueprint of Hashem for Midas and for the world. Kosher, Apostle, Zakai, Chayev, Mutter, Asur, Tahir, Tameh, all these terms. So says, Kvat Pekvat so everything is Lashon Nister, concealed. two different foods. The second brach is talking about the bread that comes from the earth. the bread. This is the bread which emerges through Birure Manumad. Man is the acronym Mayin Nukvin. Mad is Mayan Duchrin. Feminine waters, masculine waters. Which is basically symbolic in Sifre Hanister of the Hisairus that comes from the female, the inspiration that comes from below, versus the arousal 
the flow that comes from above. Either it starts with man, and man is ma'orir mad, or mad is ma'orir man. Like in a relationship. The trigger can happen one way or another way. As the Gemara says in Nida. So in Lechem in Aaret, what is it? We eat food that is down here. This food really represents sparks of toyu that fell down and decomposed and broke. And when I eat this food and I incorporate this food with the proper mindfulness, so what happens? I trigger the source of the food, which are the which is the original lights of toyu. And Tikkun becomes infused with the Koyach of Toyu. Even the Adam Ha'elyon becomes Kevayachal, more invigorated from the Oyer of Toyu, from the Mad, the flow that comes as a result of the Man, as a result of the Avoida down here below in the food. It's almost like the food is rooted in a very deep place, and by triggering it here, I trigger it on all its levels. And when I incorporate it, I incorporated the Oiris of Tayo into my life, which is why we need the food, because it gives us something very special. It gives us contact with that original, primal, intense, infinite world that completely got broken and decomposed. And therefore, it's only we who can ultimately harness it, uh, train it, direct it, structure it, but in that structure, we get a gift of something that is beyond structure. This is what we said a few days ago in terms of this process. Just to understand it technically. So like you say, when you eat with mindfulness, so you're eating something which has its sparks and toho, so that somehow triggers toho to In its source. In its source to illuminate into tikkun, like it's a little bit... No, in other words, what happens now is the sparks, tikkun can elevate the sparks that fell, right? Because tikkun still has that connection. Tikkun did not have a shvira. So by Tikkun elevating it, it goes back to its natural habitat. Its natural habitat is Toyu. You know what I mean? I I, I may have, uh, you may be a a trainer, and you have a a kid who is a genius, but is completely broken, has talent, has creativity, but is an ultimate rebel and destroys everything, right? If I could bring that child back to his true self, he won't be indebted to me and follow my footsteps. He will follow his footsteps. He will follow his footsteps. You know, there are those who train lions as babies, as cubs, but then they bring them to the jungle. The lion doesn't remain uh, indebted to the human lifestyle because it grew up by me. Ultimately, the lion is a lion. You know, lion king. So once I reveal in these sparks who they really are, they're like, goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for your help. So I was first a mashpia, but then I become a makabal. I become enriched by that which is now part of my bloodstream, so to speak. So when, when Tikkun brings the spark back to toe, so to speak, Tikkun itself gets... It's, uh, it's part of its persona. Tikkun has to also learn to assimilate. Basically what I'm giving the Oedus of Toyu is Kalim. At, at this point we're holding Toyu and Tikkun. When I bring back the Oedas to their source, I'm basically creating Kalim for them. So I have to expand my own Kalim. That's why whenever you elevate Toyu, it's always by expanding your Kalim. Because if you remain stuck in your Kalim, you'll never elevate Toyu. Because you can't deal with those Oedas. It always comes from expanding Kalim. We go back to what Yitzchak told Esau. He says, bring me food and I'll bless you. <laughs> why did he have to bring him food? 
because Yitzchak had to get in touch with the component of Esav in himself, and Esav was a classic example of Toya. Classic. And when Rivka repeats it to Yaakov, you remember, Torah Parshas told us, she adds a few words that her husband never said. Very spiritual words. Hashem. So the Balatanya says, Lifnei means higher, before Yudke Vavke. You are Yudke Vavke, you're Tikkun. You're a structure, Yaakov. You're a good guy. Because to get into you, I have to go to a place that's deeper than Yudke Vavke in me. And then I could find your Kedusha, your Oyer. And I'm going to bring you to that place of Lifnei Hashem. Like we say in Kippur. Real Tara comes from going Lifne Yutke Before Yutke Vavke, in other words, going into the place of the source of brokenness, which is Tayu. And then Yitzchak can elevate Esav. And Rivka says, I got to give that gift to you. You need that gift now because you're the one who's going to be taking these brachas. So the, answer, so the, discipline, one second, the yeah? discipline of eating with mindfulness. Is the is making the of course that's, that's, is that is part of opening the kalim, yeah, the expanding the kalim. So it could be oiris of toyu in kalim of tikkun. Well, well, what he says over there in the Mimer is that uh, one of two things would have happened: either it would have been nuclear energy, and Asaf would have expired, or Asaf would have just used that and manipulated that further. Like I gave the example, I think, then, if you give a drug addict money to go to rehabilitation, what happens to that money? He's not going for rehabilitation. He's going to buy more drugs. He's not in the position where he could rehabilitate himself. It has to come from a force outside of himself because the shvira was very big. The shvira was very deep. But the whole struggle between Yaakov and Esau and their ultimate reconciliation on some level is the encounter of Toyo and Tikkun. So whenever I have a relationship with Toyu, it's always an opportunity. It's always a challenge, but it's always an opportunity to get in touch with a primal level of the self that is not easy to deal with. And the reason it's not easy to deal with is because it's volatile. It's volatile. And therefore, we want to run away from it. And we wish and we pray that it would have been less volatile, it would have been more cohesive, more structured, more organized. And yet... In there lay tremendous opportunity, tremendous growth. So, lechem in ha'aretz is the process of the food that comes down here below, and we deal with it. And he says, which all of this, all relates to that divine energy which we call the malikalam. It fills the worlds. The term hoida'a is the frequent, it's the thematic word. You see, the brachas of Chazal are more precise than anybody would imagine. How do you figure out the message? You have to see the key words that they inserted into the bracha. It's like, you know, uh, codes. It's, uh, it's, um, it's, not a, it's not cryptic, it's the simonim they gave that this is the message. The second bracha you see, there's a lot of, it starts off right away. What's the moidim, he says? Lashen hoida'a. Moidim, we say, means thank you. Noida, like toda, toda rabah. 
Thank you. Moedim anachnu loch in davening, we thank you. Noida lechona sapate losecha. But there's another meaning to moida, which is loshen hoida'a. Hoida'a means submission. For example, ke'inyin hoida'ahu al derech moidim chachamim l'reb meyer. In Gemara you'll have moidim chachamim l'reb meyer. Does it mean chachamim thanked reb meyer? No. What does it mean? They consented, they submitted, they acquiesced is the word. They gave in. That's Yiddish? Okay. That's another word. I argued with you. And then I say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. That's Moida. Even Moida B'miktsis. What's Moida B'miktsis? Same idea. Moida B'miktsis means, I say, I don't owe you a thousand dollars, but I'm Moida. I confess. That I owe you $500. Essentially, confession is also a form of submission. He was moida. What he was moida? Moida means it's a form of surrender. I'm confessing. I made a mistake. I borrowed money from you. I owe you one. Here too, I was arguing with you, but really, you're right. I'm mevatel, my das to your das. Not even the word. There's the whole idea, doesn't it? In Yiddish. The Hainu Beza Chalkim Zeim When you have two people arguing, Sheechad Mavatal Daiti Neged Chavere Nikrib Chinesaydom. When one surrenders his das to his friend and he says, "You know what? I'm mistaken. You're right." That's called Moidim Chachamim. They were Moidim to the view of Reb Meir. Ukemoykein Moidim Anachnolach. That's how you have to understand when we say Moidim. Doesn't only mean thanks. It means something much deeper. There is an the Balatanya here. Now I'm going to teach a fascinating idea. There's a, basically an argument going on between God and the world constantly. And the argument does never stops. It's an ongoing debate like two chavrusas and base medrash hollering at each other. And it doesn't stop. It's two perceptions. And at some point, in, once in davening and once in benching, we say, like, It's much deeper than a thank you. It's an idea of two people arguing and one is mavatal daitai, and if there's no argument, there's no point to say maidim. What's this argument? Kihine yesh beis There are beis deis. Beis deis means there are two types of perceptions in life. Kamei of course, he has a pasuk for it. Kikel deis Hashem veloi niskenu alilois. I believe this is in the Shira of Chana. In the Shira of Chana, after she has a baby, and Shmuel, so we have the Shira of Chana, which of Torah of Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of Shmuel. So what do we have there? Chana says, Kikel Deus Hashem veloy niskenualos. What about Kel Deus Hashem? Literally, we teach, Kel Deus Hashem is, God is a God who contains all of the Deus, all of the opinions. But he says here, no, Kel Deus Hashem means, there's two Deus in how you define how you define Hashem. Kel Deus Hashem. Kevayachel and Hashem, there's two different perceptions. There's two types of perceptions in how you define God. One is the divine perception of the divine, and one is the human perception of the divine. Yesh Beis Deus. And this is a Machlaikas. What are these Deus? Yesh Das Shemelmata Lamaila. And there's going to be a Das Melmaila Lamata. What we would call in English from outside in or inside out. There's one das that's melmata lamayla. Melmata lamayla means I'm down below and I'm trying to look up. Melmata lamayla is one das. 
There's another das that's momaila lamata. What's the difference? So he starts off with the lower das. Das momata lamaila. Hagashmi is hu yesh, vaharuchni is hu ayin. What is yesh? What is existence? The physical. Gashmi is material. That's reality. Ruchni is called ayin. Why is it called ayin? We're not talking about a person who doesn't accept the concept of ruchnis. No, he does. But he calls it ayin. Why? It's not something that's comprehensible. I can't wrap myself around it. I can hold a cup. I can touch my fingers. I can touch you. I can feel that basketball and I can touch the slice of pizza or the tissue box. I could see the blade of grass. I could see the cat or the snow and make a snowball or a snowman. That's real. Yesh, it's real. Yesh here means it's something. It exists. Yesh, it's here. Or... Versus Ruchnius. Ruchnius is ayin. It's ethereal. It's, it's nebulous. It's the stuff of not Eino Musak. It's not comprehensible to me. Because it's not comprehensible to me, it's, I can't relate to it with the same realness as I relate to the Gashmis. So when I start talking about the beyond, the divine, I right away go into the word of ayin. And that's what we mean when we say the world was created, yesh me ayin. Something from nothing, in the famous expression of the Ramban and most Sifrechir of Judaism. Yeshmeyayin, God is called Ayin? What's his Yeshmeyayin? Oh, he's nothing? He's chopped liver? You're the Yesh and he's the Ayin? Maybe you're the Ayin? No, it means something very powerful, and that is, ultimately, even if I'm convinced, and even if I could prove that this Yesh has a source, but that source I'm not comfortable with. I can't put my finger on it. I call it Ayin, Einoi Musik. It's a it's incomprehensible. And something that's incomprehensible, we call Ayin. For me, it's nothing. What, what am I supposed to do with it? What am I supposed to do with this information? I just let it go. I leave it alone. I call it ayin. This I call yesh. Gosh, this I call yesh. Ayin ene musik. Milmaila lamata. There's another perception. Which perception? Milmaila lamata. From inside out. Hu behepech. It's the exact opposite. Here you have the opposite words. Haruchni is hu ayesh amiti. Ruchni says, "Ej the yesh. It's the only yesh. Why? Why? Or the only? Why amiti? Why don't you say Ruchni is also a yesh? No, it's the yesh amiti. Because that's what gives life. That's the source of the geshem. That's really what it is. Kumaisha kasov. Right there with his psukim. This is the pasuk that's brought in Masayf Masech to Uktsin. Kol osit kol tzadik v'tzadik lahanchil shai oylemus shenemar lahanchil oyavai yesh." So he teaches what's that lahanchil oyavai yesh that they'll they'll be able to perceive the perception that the real yesh is the ruchni v'hagashmi is botel ayin v'tachlus. In this paradigm, the gashmi is called the ayin and the ruchni is called the yesh. Why? Not because the gashmi doesn't exist, because the gashmi is botel ayin v'tachlus. That's not the, there's no there's no real substance there. Its entire identity is merely a manifestation of divine energy. It's the energy that is the core of existence. So it's two different paradigms. It depends what you're seeing and how you're seeing it. Not just the energy is the core of existence, that we cannot even be Masik the Gashmi. The idea that the Gashmi should now take on the role of being right. Eno Musug. That the Gashmi should now be Eno Musug. That's a, that's a real leap. 
Because when I say he reached a level, I mean, when right. Sadik reaches the end, he's going to get to Rishkoyach. He gets the, the idea of the Yesh. But now we won't even be able to what the Gash... What the gash he's struggling is. to understand how the Gash became a Yesh. <laughs> What, what you're observing, what you're observing from your perspective. Now, so, so, so we have this even within people, within even the lower perception. This is, in the Lashon of the Balatanya, it's called Das Tachten Das Elyon. The lower perception, the higher perception. Both perceptions. Now, Chana says, Ki keil is Hashem. Don't think the first perception is false. It's not a lie. God allowed this perception. When we come into this world... The Gashmi is the Yesh and the Ruchni is the Ayin. It's supposed to be that way. Our instinctive experience of life is the material exists. The spiritual at best is some type of intangible reality that I could relate to or I can't relate to. You say you have spiritual souls, right? What do you mean spiritual souls? Like they, they relate to spirituality as though it was real. Other people, like I don't know what you're talking about. But let's understand this even with people. Just to give a, a, a dogma that's it's closer to our lives in this in this difference. Your uh, your baby is playing in the house, a two year old or a three year old or a four year old. You have a check that somebody gave you to invest in your company. The check is two and a half million dollars that you could cash in Chase Manhattan. But there's also a fire engine truck or an ice cream, and you'll offer the baby these two entities. And if you can ask the baby what is significant in life and what is insignificant in life. And obviously the check he'll throw in the garbage and the ice cream he'll embrace with great enthusiasm or the fire engine truck. And one he would choose over the other even though one is worth 55 cents or with taxes 72 cents. And one is two and a half million dollars or whatever the check is. If you want to up it to a billion dollars, I know people have your big asagas. See how late you go to work. You must have big hasagas, so you can up it maybe more. But whatever you want to give the check. Suddenly, when you get older, if I come to my 35-year-old friend and I say, here, here's a fire engine truck or the check, what happens? Suddenly, priorities change. In one world, this was insignificant. This is significant. And in another world, something else becomes significant. But take it a step further. Take it a step further. In one world, what is tangible, physically, is the most important reality. What about somebody who has antennas, great intellectuals, great minds, great souls, great emotions? Ideas for them become much more real than tangible realities, and sometimes it drives them crazy. You can even hear conversations of people by bar mitzvahs, right? You ever get bored at these, at these some conversations? What for one person is the most important, exciting conversation, for another person they're ready to commit suicide. Right? You know what I mean? Why? Because what for him is yesh, is for him, I don't find myself there, I don't see existence there, it's completely meaningless. And so it goes from state to state to state. And then you'll have a person, a real ishmuskalas, a real person of seichel, where bechlal, the physical reality of something is completely subservient to the idea of it. As Plato explained at length, the idea of the tree is much more important than the tree. It's called treeness. Treeness, the concept is always more important than the tangible. And so it goes from state to state, as the Baal Shem Tov said, for every question he could give an answer, but for every answer he can give a question. Because what is in one state, yesh, is in another state, ayin, what is in one state, ayin, is in another state, yesh. And so it develops. 
And then sometimes you're 80 years old and you look back at your life and everything you invested so much in and it was priorities and it was everything, it's ayin. Ayin doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Ayin means it doesn't have the definition of real reality. So now the question is, what do we call reality? Here are the two perceptions. You can have a Jew. He believes in God. Not only believes in blind faith, is even convinced. We're not I'm talking about a... Uh, a, a simpleton who doesn't think. We're talking about a developed person. And is completely in a life of Ruchnius. But ultimately, Lamata Yesh What's Yesh, what's reality is the physical. All Ruchnius is called Ayan. Why? It's completely intangible. Melmaila is the other way around. The real Yesh is Garden Ruchni. That's the Yesh. The Gashmi is simply the final, final product and manifestation. And that's called the ayin. Why is it called ayin? Because it has such little significance, legabe the ruchni. You even have this, for example, in the world of science. We spoke about it. You know, you have a table. It's a real yesh, right? When you go into the inner world of the table and you see it's pretty shvachi yesh, basically, the atomic structure of it is far more real than what looks like solid. In fact, They'll always tell you it's not even solid. Nothing is solid. It's basically millions, billions, trillions, sectillions of atoms that are swerving around in perfect harmony and symmetry. The question is, so why don't I see it? Why don't I see it? And the answer is, because you're dealing with such tiny, tiny particles. Even the word tiny doesn't describe how tiny it is. And the distance, the distance between them is so tiny that our eyes can't make peace with that reality. And our eyes put it together and make it one cholent and it becomes a table. There's no such a thing as a table. But my eyes can't deal with reality. So what do my eyes do? My eyes turn it into a table. And that's why in physics they love saying today, there's no such a thing your house exists. You don't have a house. When you're living in your house, your house exists. The moment you and your wife leave your house to go to Miami for a week, the house does not exist. Now, it used to be that this was crazy language of Meshugoyim. You left to Miami, the house doesn't exist. I see your house exists. There's even a burglar who tried to break in. And not in Muncie, I mean in Brooklyn. Science is a tough muscle because science, they also don't believe anything ruchni because they believe in, in only the ugashim. In a chanami. Yes, I'm just giving a muscle in the world of Gashmi itself, the atomic world versus the tangible, perceivable world. Do you understand? Just a muscle. Not only that, today the language, for example, not only today, quite a while, that 99 more, 99.9% of the material of the table is empty space. Empty space. 99.9% of any chaymer in the world is empty space. Because in the atom itself, much most of it is empty space. Yeah, the atoms move around, you have the nucleus, but that space between the nucleus and the circle is all empty. That's 99% of this table. Not only is pshat that there's some things I don't see. The, 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 most of the world is empty. Isn't that emptiness also an energy? Of course. That's where the, that's where the Dvar Hashem works. That's where the Ruchni is. 
That's why it's empty space. That's where the ayin is. What do we call it? We call it ayin. But not only don't we acknowledge it with our eyes, for thousands of years we didn't even know this. When the Arizal says that in Doimim there's a whole life moving around, they say, yeah, the Arizal knew that's what, they, that's what Tzvaz does for you. <laughs> you go to Tzvaz, everything is alive. Can't find a normal restaurant in Tzvaz, but if you're looking for this, you'll find it. Most of perfection technology comes from this, where they found out that empty space and can move around. Of course. The dynamics. They built those colliders to observe what's in there. Ad Kedekach, a big physicist, told me, I didn't do the actual research on the statistics, he once said, if you would take, if you would be able to see the atomic world, and you would take all the physical matter, not the empty space, of the whole, the whole planet, it would fit into one suitcase. The Gansavelt is one suitcase. <laughs> you know the suitcase in the airport that goes through security? That's how much material is in this world. <laughs> now you say this is a joke. What, you, what do you mean? Just take this room, I could fit in this room into a suitcase? Yeah, because my eyes don't acknowledge this. I don't see 99% empty space. I don't even see Bechalal empty space. I see a table and I can even get hurt if I bang hard enough. Or break it, whatever. What happened here? Who's right? Who's wrong? The answer is, Kaldeus. I was created in a way, my eyes are not a mistake. We're not crazy people. This is the intention of creation. We see the Chitsoinius as Yesh. The atomic world, I have to start convincing you, you're looking at me, you don't know if I'm Meshuggah, if you're Meshuggah, if I'm making this up, if I'm not making this up, you're going to go Google it after the year to make sure during the cigarette break, if it's true, if it's not true, you can put it in the suitcase. Not the, right? Why? Because it's not, first, it's not seeable. There was once, I'm giving a marshal here, that even in our own world, we have these Chiluke Deis in terms of instinct. I mean, nobody argues today about this because the, you know, microscopes and uh, developed science and physics. Is, now, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not, not even talking about the crazy part. The crazy part is called quantum mechanics, which is absolute insanity. This is not, it's not insanity, it's just, it's, 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 it's fascinating. But then there's a level of insanity. Basically, that particles are moving clockwise and counterclockwise simultaneously. In other words, there's complete paradox going on, and Bechal, you can't describe anything in terms of existence. That's already, even clo- that's already closer to what he's talking about here. Elikus, Ayin, and so forth. But even in the more external world of Gashmias, you can't compare its two universes, what I see and what the reality is. I see the table as a yesh, and the energy inside of it is Ayin, not because I, it's not there. Ain I Musik. Nobody knows what an atom is. Nobody knows. We don't know the ethem of it. We know certain symptoms. It's Ain Musik. And then there's the opposite of that. What if you were an atom? <laughs> Well, you are. But what if you were looking at it from the perspective of the creator of it? Then, fakert, the table is the, the joke. <laughs> it's the other way around. The table is the joke. It's like, <laughs> what are you taking seriously? Somebody puts on a pair of glasses and sees something a certain way. That the nekud is what makes it all happen. Uh, the packaging, yeah, the packaging, yeah. So now take it to the next level, what he's discussing here. From one perspective, the Geshem is the Yesh, the Divine is Enei Musik. Fine, you tell me. Give me another drush, give me another shear. It's not about a shear, it's about instinctively how we experience life. We experience life as the Divine being nothingness. Nothingness. It's counterintuitive, it's not experiential. 
the Geshem is experiential. But Deus Hashem is another Deya. Lamaila Yesh, Lamatai. Not that the Mata doesn't exist. Just like Lamaila, just like in the other perspective, not, we don't say the Ruchnis doesn't exist. We just say, I don't get it. Lamaila, they say, the Gashmi is okay, I get. But it's so tough. It's so. so it's not my moshes. If I'll give you an example of uh, of um, taking the world of sports, for example, yeah. So sports pundits analyze games and games, uh, Super Bowls, v'chuli, v'chuli, in a very dramatic way. What do they focus on? They focus on the people throwing the shots. Imagine they wouldn't talk about the people. All they would talk about is the ball itself. The ball itself went here, the ball itself went there, the ball went here, the ball went there. No, no, no. It's always about he took that shot. He trained them, he did, he ran, he caught, he flapped, he didn't flap, he played miserably the first half. What do you mean he? The ball! What he? Who cares about he? The ball! So you say, Chachem, balls don't fly, balls don't move, balls don't do touchdowns. It's people who manipulate, it's people's power and skill and alacrity and professionalism and motivation and enthusiasm and teamwork that makes it happen. Say, no, it's the ball, it's all the ball! The ball is the hechitimtza of the game. <laughs> but it's the people that create it. Right? That's the game. It's not the ball. The ball doesn't happen on its own. So imagine somebody could see that with the world. Somebody could see that the ball is flying, but all we see is a ball. We don't see anything else. So we're completely focused on the ball. Nothing else. We don't see the internal energy that is behind all of it. We just see the outer layer of it. So that becomes our yesh. What if you could see that so now that's just tuffle. The Gashmi is tuffle to the Ruchni. Or take another marshal that's brought in Tanya with imagination, for example. One of the great skills that uh, from Jews develop over being many years in yeshiva and in shulas, they learn how to daydream. It's one of the great brachas that the Rebbeinu Shalom gave the Orthodox Jewish world to be able to survive in shul, to be able to survive yeshiva. You could stare at the Magad Shir for an hour and a half. You could look at him like this, so everything is fine. As long as he doesn't ask you the place, right? Uh, it's fine because you daydream. And in your daydream, you can travel the world. Daydreams are wonderful experiences. They mamish let you go. First of all, you go first class. Second of all, the food is good. There's even showers on the airplane. Whatever people daydream. Probably as I'm talking right now, I just woke up three or four people from a very interesting daydream. Probably what you have to do today, appointments, shopping, a conversation with your wife that did happen, that's going to happen, etc., etc. And it could be you're still in the middle of your daydream. And if you are, I ask you, Mechila, I don't mean disturb you. You could continue daydreaming and knock yourself out. And I hope you daydream about good things. But just remember, at some point, you're going to have to come back to reality. Okay. Now, imagine, okay, just, just imagine for a moment... I mean, I don't want to hear, do science fiction here or a fictional novel. But just imagine... You're daydreaming, uh, say that you're, uh, you're by the Super Bowl, or you're daydreaming that you're flying on an airplane to, to, to Israel, or you're daydreaming that you're shopping somewhere. Now imagine that these characters that you're daydreaming in your mind, because we have all these people in our mind, 
you would actually start giving them independent power. You'd start giving them independent power. And when you wake up from your daydream, they're still around you. Yeah, this is what we call a mental illness. Psychosis. Psychosis, yeah. You can't live like this. We say, no, 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 it's just a daydream. What does it mean it's just a daydream? Imagine you wake up from sleep with a nightmare. And a whole day you're terrified because somebody came with a gun. And you're hollering the whole day. Your wife says it was just a dream. It was just a dream. Or a daydream. What does this mean? What, it mean? what does it mean it was just a daydream? What it means is it was just a reflection of your own neurons. It was just your mind concocting images. There's no reality. You say, no, 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 there was a reality. It's not a reality. It's a reflection of your mind. It's your thoughts. There's nothing outside of your thoughts. That's pshat. A perception where the whole world is basically a reflection of divine thought, divine energy. So we don't see. We take the characters and we turn them into gods. But really the characters are essentially reflections of energy. So the Gashmis exists. Just like my daydream exists. I'm not crazy. But what is it? It doesn't have a substance over the ayin. In fact, it doesn't have a substance. It doesn't have a substance. It's a whole different mitzvah. They say there was once a chassid of the Balatanya who was going for, for, for Pidyon Shvuyim or some important cause, and he went to a city. And the city, uh, those were the days there was some tension, some intense tension in the Jewish world. Nishtayin gedacht. And the Rav was a very, uh, very powerful opponent. But he really needed to speak in the city. So he knew if he says who he is, he's going to send them out, uh, you know, he's going to send them to jump into the lake. So he says, can I speak in shuls? He says, you have to test them. Okay, he was a big Talmud Chacham. But then he says, what's your opinion of, uh, of Chassidim? What's your opinion of Chassidim versus not? <coughs> so he says to him, he says, I'll tell you, uh, not Chassidim think about God all day, and Chassidim think about themselves all day. He says, ah, I like you. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> And he gives him covered malachim, and he does what he has to do, and he accomplishes what he has to accomplish, right? Sunday, he had to leave after breakfast, after shachris. So he thanks him, and he says, I just want to clarify what I meant, uh, what I meant when I met you on Friday. What I meant was as follows. He says, a person normally, the fact that he exists is not a question. That's a given. So what does he think all day? If God exists, <laughs> does he exist? Does he really exist? Why he exists? Should he exist? Who knows he exists? What does it mean that he exists? So he's thinking about God all day. He says, from my Rebbe we learned that the existence of God, that's the Dover Pasha, that's a given. So all day I have to think about myself. Where do I fit in? Do I exist? Don't I exist? How do I exist? Why do I exist? Why do I feel I exist? What is the meaning of that existence? That's the tension between the Tekel Deus Hashem. Now, which one is right? Which one is right? Which one is wrong? So there's two Deus. Mulmaila yesh lamata ayin. Lamata yesh lamaila ayin. So he says, V'zeu inyan hoidoa. Sha'anachnu moidim. Sha'agashmi is bottle ve'emesu k'moishu kameh. That's why we say moidim anachnu. What's the moidim? Moidim is the awareness that that even though I have this opinion, and I'm going to continue to have this opinion, because this is my intuition, 
nonetheless, I can appreciate the fact that the emes is kamoshu kamei. The emes is the way it is in his presence. Vizuhi, here he gives his definitions of Yiddishkeit once in a while. Vizuhi mailas kolo oisik betoiru mitzvah. Rakla aloysen miyashlaim. Essentially, the unique contribution of all Torah and mitzvahs is to align one paradigm with the other paradigm. Basically, to be able to reveal the ayin in the yesh, to be able to align the yesh, which is the geshem, with the ayin, which is the ruchni, to be able to create peace between these two perceptions. The whole Torah and mitzvahs is essentially an exercise in the mindful awareness that energy is at the core of the universe. Oneness is at the core of reality. The divine is at the core of existence, and all of existence is essentially a manifestation of God, a manifestation of oneness. That's not aligning two perceptions, that's reversing your perception. Okay. Reversing your perception. That's why the Gemara says, Ksuvis, beginning of Ksuvis, Gdoilim Maisit Sadikim and Maisit Shemayim Varitz. Maisit Sadikim should be Ksuvis, right? Of course it's bigger. Huh? Of course it's bigger. Maisit Sadikim is greater than Maisit Shemayim Varitz. Why? Ksuvis Dafea Medalef. My hand made the earth. But says, Two hands. is greater than Not one hand. But Mikdash is Maisi Yedet Tzadikim, and that's Koinenu Yadecha, Losh and Rabin, both hands. What's Pshat? Maisi Tzadikim is greater than Maisi Shemayim, but it's really? Yes. Azayim et Because God can do anything, and as a human being, we have to work Okay, but what's Pshat? G'doylem Taka. What's Pshat? Zokter Azayim. Shemaisi Shemayim Va'aretz Ume Ayin Liyesh. Maisi Shemayim Va'aretz is what? From Ayin came a Yesh. The journey of creation is... From nothingness, somethingness. Or actually, from energy, matter. From the divine, tangible. And once the yesh becomes a yesh, it eclipses the ayin, it eclipses the divine. They take from a yesh, and they turn it into ayin. Everything should be experienced from his perspective. That's why it's called gdoilim. Why is it called G'doylem? So here he goes into a whole sugya what makes the Maiset Tzadikim greater than Maiset Shemayim Varetz. But the key is that Maiset Shemayim Varetz is from Ayin Yesh. Maiset Tzadikim is from Yesh Ayin. To turn from Yesh Ayin is a far deeper achievement than to turn from Ayin, make from Ayin Yesh. When you make from Ayin Yesh, the Ayin actually becomes concealed in the Yesh. The Ayin becomes eclipsed in the Yesh. Maiset Tzadikim is... From Yashai. This is the beginning to understand the difference of the first bracha and the second bracha of Berchus Hamazen, where we say, Moidim Anachnolach. So basically, it's that the Tzadik does the Yesh to the Ayin, and it's working through the Yesh that it becomes pure. Yes, yes, yes. To be able to go the opposite direction 
is a whole different thing than going the direction from Ayin Yesh is a God's achievement. The human achievement to be able to take from the Yesh and reveal that really it's Ayin, that's the unique, uh, that's the unique uh, achievement of the human being which is contrary to what you would expect. The expectation is the Yesh is Yesh. To be able to make from that Yesh Ayin is, is the surprise, is the shock of human existence as he will continue to explain. Daf Samach Vav, Ahmed Beis, page 131, all the way on the bottom. Actually, we're on top of 132. Mamash on top of 132. The first line of 132. <coughs> so there's a distinction between the first bracha and the second bracha of benching. In the first bracha of benching, the focus is Baruch Atah Hashem Alekinim Alechoylam it ends with the words Baruch Atah Hashem Hazanas Akhoel. The second bracha of benching starts with the words Noida Lecha Hashem Alekeno Hashem Chatal Aviseinu. And you see that the theme of Noida continues Vala Koel Hashem Alekeno Anachnu Moidim Lach Umavarchem Oisach. So even though bracha is introduced and it ends with Baruch Atah Hashem Alarez Valamazen, but the term Hoida'a is introduced. Literally, Hoida'a means gratitude, thankfulness. You're thankful. Noida lecha, we thank you, Hashem alekeinu. Alakoil Hashem alekeinu, anachnu moidem lach, like we say in davening, moidem anachnu lach. Shatu Hashem alekeinu leilavod. Noida lecha on a sapatil asecha. It's all a form of todaraba, gratefulness, gratitude, akaris atoyv, thanks, and so forth. Here he teaches, however, that the moidem also represents the concept of hoidaa in terms of submission. Moidem chachamam lereb meyer. This doesn't mean Chachamim thanked Reb Meir. It means the Chachamim acquiesced. They surrendered their position. They submitted their Das to the Das of Reb Meir, even though we had a disagreement and we maintained our view. Nonetheless, we're Moida either in this particular area or in another area where we agree with you. However, the, whatever the context of that particular discussion and Shas is, whatever the Moidim is, whatever the situation what is the moidim here that we were addressing? So the Balatanya said, Kel Deus Hashem. The Pasuk says, Kel Deus Hashem, which means God is a God of perceptions. That there are basically two general perceptions of how to define reality. One way of defining reality is that the intangible is not real. What is real is the tangible, the physical, the material, the brute. And the more physical, the more material, the more real. The more transcendent, the less real. And even if I could prove it, and even if I can accept that it exists, and even if I can have some recognition of it, or some sensitivity to it, I ultimately call it ayin. I call it nothingness. Why do I call it nothingness? Usually we call nothingness that which is nothing. Nothing. You say it's nothing. It doesn't exist. Here I'm calling it nothingness because I have no way to to connect to it, to relate to it. I can't comprehend it. And because I can't comprehend it, in my world it's called nothing. In my world it doesn't exist. In my frame of reference it doesn't exist. And this is a critical idea that you call something I and not because it doesn't exist. For you it doesn't exist. And the reason it doesn't exist is it doesn't speak to me. It doesn't, in my re, it's not part of the orbit of my reality. 
the fascinating thing is that for another person, that may be all existence. That, that is existence. Nothing else is existence. What you think exists is, is, is meaningless. Again, it may actually exist, but what does it mean it exists? Sometimes something may not exist in your mind. You don't, you don't even understand that it exists. Sometimes it exists, but it doesn't have much significance. But that's two completely separate paradigms. And that transition is necessary when one tries to begin the process of true spiritual growth, to be able to understand that metamorphosis from a state of consciousness where the Geshem is Yesh and everything else is Ayin. Even if you tell me it exists, but I don't relate to it as an existence. So I, therefore, I call it nothing. I, call, I have no other way. I have no other way. I mean, what, what are you talking about? A nail. <laughs> I'm going to give a mundane example. Take a nail. A nail understands one language. It's called a hammer. Okay. I want you to stand by your sukkah, Erev sukkahs, and speak to the nail, and say, Hezachayim. <coughs> Listen. There's a mitzvah in Torah, besukkahs, teish, vushivas yamah. I just finished learning Masech the sukkah. I really need you to go into the wall. Because I don't know how to build a sukkah. And you'll explain the nail, but tuf tam vadas. What God is. What sukkah is. Al pinister, al pinigla, al pipshat, rem is drushsat. And you'll explain to the nail how vital this is and how this is the reason it was created and this is the purpose of the cosmos. And by the nail entering the sukkah, it will fulfill its ultimate destiny and mission. Somehow I have a hunch that the nail will look at you as your teacher told you, V'yahon. You remember what your teacher said? You ever understood what he meant? V'yahon by Bnei Adam. What it means is, Kaporis, we say, Bnei Adam, Yoish But how does the chicken respond to the Bnei Adam? So the teacher would say, V'os kukstav mir V'yahon by Bnei Adam. Which means, like the chicken, when you're saying Kaporis. Somehow, the nail would not be impressed from your lecture. For whatever reason, Why not? Why not? If you give the same shear to people, wow, wow, sukkah, sukkah, sukkah. The nail understands one reality. It's called a frask with a hammer. You take a hammer and you go boom, and they'll say, okay, now you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. There was once they say a guy came to a bank at four o'clock, he had to make a deposit. They said, sorry, it's closed. He says, I need it's emergency. The computers are down. The woman is arguing for half an hour. Explaining, explaining. No, this is corrupt. This is cruel. I'm a customer for 25 years. Call the manager. The manager says, what do you want? He says, I have to make a deposit. He says, impossible. He says, I, I'm not leaving. The guy gives him a punch in the face. He falls down on the floor and he says, okay, okay, I'm going. So the woman runs after him and says, I don't understand. I'm explaining this to you 45 minutes. doesn't work. And uh, he comes, I say, one punch, it works. He tells her, you were telling it to me, he explained it to me. So the, 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 the nail, there's only one way to explain something to a nail, and that is a hammer. A hammer. Now I ask you another question. What if you're talking to a very intelligent and sensitive person, okay? Think about this. And you could convince them to do something through a hammer, or you convince them to do something through words that touch them in a very deep way. 
Where do you think you affect them more? A hammer, fine, you may be scared, you may fight back, I may coerce you, even if you surrender, it's half not willingly, you don't really want it. Words actually are far more, far more influential because they change people. So for the nail, words are ayin. Not that words don't exist. In the world of the nail, words don't exist. If you were, I would speak to the nail, he would say ayin. In another world, words, arguments, compelling conversation, influences and persuades and changes far more than anything else. The famous Chassam Soifer, the Chassam Soifer writes that anywhere it says in Chumash, take a person, Rashi always says, Kicha B'dvarim, through words. Kachas Yeshua, through words. Kachas Pinchas, through words. Vayikach Koirach, through words. Kachas Aaron, every time Rashi makes sure. Kachas Aaron, through words. Talk to him. How does Rashi know? Maybe Kachas Aaron means... Take Aaron by the lapel and slap him. How do you know? Well, you can't take a person. So he says something absolutely beautiful and very fundamental, I think, to the world of education. Huh? He says a person is made up of two realities. There's the flesh, but then there's the inner personality, the inner soul. So Rashi says, let me tell you a claw. When you have to take a person, if you're going to chop them by their flesh and schlep them, you didn't take the person. You took their bones, you took their arms, you took their legs, you didn't take the person. On the contrary, it could be actually you furthered them, you distanced them from where you want to take them because internally they're not there. They don't show up. They're actually feeling resentful for the fact that physically you made them be there. So actually you took them further away from where you wanted to take them. He says there's only one way you could take a person. If you believe a person is a machine... You pick up a machine and you take it. I take the cup, I take it where I want. I take the phone where I want. If you believe a person is a machine, it works. What Ashley is telling you is a person is not a machine, a person has a soul. How do you take a soul? I can't slap a soul. It doesn't work. There's only one way. I could speak to a soul. I can inspire a soul. I can move a soul. So it's Shabbos morning, I say, Yankee, time to go to Shul. Tzaitz again in Shul. Chvilnish, I don't want. Tati's going to take you. I don't want. I'll show you who's boss. And what do you do? You chop on Yankee by the coat, or in the good old days, by the ear, and you take him to shul. And you're convinced, huh? Huh? Well, you take him by the hand, and you schlep him. You schlep him, he cries for two blocks, he calms down, he resents it, but he goes to shul. And you internally feel like you did the right thing, you took your child to shul. Didn't you? Look, he's in shul! You may even force him to sit the whole Kriya Satayra. Not only is he in Shul, he's even listening to Kriya Satayra. Some Seifer says, Rabbi you didn't take him to Shul. <laughs> you took his hands to Shul. You took his feet to Shul. You took his body to Shul. You didn't take him to Shul. He's not there. On the contrary, you may have taken him <coughs> far away from the Shul. Because internally, he doesn't want to be there. He hates it there. He resents being there. And I'm not discussing now if there's ever a need for this or not. That's a separate option. You can discuss it with your local Orthodox rabbi or mentor. Know what it is. But just know what it is. Maybe sometimes you need to have flesh and shul. It's a good thing, especially if there's, I don't know, if there's good candies. Huh? 
Meshchayel Beis Hamedrash. Meshchayel Beis Hamedrash is a very misunderstood Gemara. Meshchayel Beis Hamedrash is something they often tell Bachrim who have struggles, and they say, just learn, learn, learn. Everything is going to go away. Um, uh, you ever hear this? They ever tell this to boys that come to you? Learn, learn, learn. Everything will go away. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Nothing goes away, right? I know, I know all the Mamari Chazan. I can even tell you. I can even tell you where it says in Psachim Dafnun. I know the Mamari Chazan. What's Mashchei? What are you? What's Mashchei? You have a Yitzhahara, right? You have a big Yitzhahara. So what do we say? Mashchei? Ah? A maneuver. Yeah, yeah. Pagabach maneuver is a mashchele beis hamedrash. Mashchele beis hamedrash is actually something very, very beautiful, and that is our beis hamedrash has to have space, even for our vulnerable ghosts and demons. Mashchele beis hamedrash. Torah has space for the parts of you that you call a maneuver. You don't have to show up to the beis hamedrash and cut off half of your personality, and be the perfect. Impeccable boy. There's room in the base medrash for all aspects of your personality. Even your struggles, even your difficulties. There's space and tighter for it. You don't have to cut out your heart, half your brain, half your soul, half your instincts, half your emotions in order to show. Bring him into the base medrash. This is part of your journey. As we spoke many times, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a continuous theme in Teres of Hashem to this. You remember? Basically, this is your path. This is your path. It's part of your Beis Don't be afraid. So the Chesam Seif is just identifying you took arms and legs into the shul. You didn't take anything else. Kicha! There's only one way I can take a person. Words. I have to speak to your soul. I have to speak to your mind. Speak to your personality. And then I don't schlep. On the contrary. The less I schlep, the more powerful it is. The more I schlep, the less powerful it is. When you really persuade somebody, so they're moved. When they're moved, you're not moving them. Huh? Huh? <laughs> That's money. <laughs> you buy a tennis bracelet, she'll come. So, Bemele, uh, you have a situation here. In the world of the human being, words are sometimes much more powerful than anything else. It can change your life. A hammer can hurt you. It won't change and transform your internal self. So what is real? Who's right? Is the male right or not? And in a person, it's himself, there'll be different levels. For one person, they're in a certain stage of state of consciousness where they only understand physical. And then there's another level of consciousness where the physical almost becomes immaterial, it becomes insignificant. Those are the transitions, and these transitions operate in myriads and myriads and myriads of levels. Ad infinitum, in other words, it never ends. In, other, in one state... This is yesh and this is ayin. When you come to a higher state, the ayin becomes yesh. And a higher ayin, a higher level is now ayin. And when you reach that state, the new ayin becomes your new yesh as you're elevated. And a new level becomes ayin. And so it goes and goes and goes. What is reality for you? So for the nail, words are absolutely non-existent. It doesn't exist. So we call godliness ayin. Why do we call godliness ayin? 
Not because it doesn't exist, because in our world, it's Enoi Musag. I may not feel its existence, not know its existence, not experience its existence. What do I call Yesh? I call Yesh. This is Yesh. But this Keldeus Hashem is a very different perception, and that is actually the other way around. The more intangible, the more real. The more transcendent, the more real. The more ayin, actually, the more yesh. Lahanchil oyavai, yesh. That's the real yesh. Lahanchil oyavai, yesh. You're dealing with ziv hashchina. Asad hakadosh baruch lahanchil. The end of uktsin. The last mission of shas. After you learn through the whole shas, hopefully your paradigm changed. What is ayin and what is yesh? <laughs> perhaps. Sometimes not, but perhaps it changes. Now, what do we mean? It changes. Not that the gashmis doesn't exist anymore. A person also believes in hammers. <laughs> Even a very intelligent person knows that words are not the only existence. But the question is, what really holds sway? And what is tuffle? What is subservient? What is secondary? My is different. He never hit me. He was hitting me. That's what he told you? So this is the paradigms that the person developing himself or herself in terms of Avaidas Hashem ought to understand is the Kel Deis Hashem. And once a person can appreciate this and be sensitive to this, it actually allows for a person to at least be able to entertain the possibility that that which looks so real and tangible and physical is completely tuffle, subservient to the divine energy that gives it substance, that gives it chiyus, that gives it kiyum. Spiritual reality is far more real than physical reality because physical reality is only a manifestation of consciousness. So consciousness is far more real than anything else. But this is a work, it's, it's work, because it's counterintuitive. When we begin our journey, all we have is the tangible to work with. And therefore it's a given that that's reality. And it's a journey, it's a journey literally today, all wisdom is based on this journey. There's no science without this journey, there's no physics without this journey, there's no math without this journey, there's no biology without this journey, especially physics. It's a journey from the material to the consciousness. And seeing basically how consciousness is at the core of reality. But consciousness you have to have a sensitivity to. And what state of consciousness? So you have a very interesting situation where in one person's life, one thing is completely ayin, it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. You're not talking to me. You're not talking about anything. You're talking about nothingness. Thank you, but no thank you. And for another person, that is where reality is. What this person thinks is ayin, for him, this is literally where reality is. This is where all reality revolves. This is the most significant. This is the most important dimension of reality. Now, this is Pshat in the Gemara. G'doylim ma'isit tzadikim and ma'isit shemayim v'aretz. Gemara in Ksuvah's Dafhei. Ma'isit shemayim v'aretz is the journey from Ayin to Yesh. Ma'isit tzadikim is the journey from Yesh to Ayin. And that's G'doylim. 
creation is basically, the Alter Rebbe once said in Yiddish, he said, which is basically saying here, but he said it in Yiddish, he said, Der Eberste macht von Ruchnius Gashmius. Kedei Azayid soll machen von Gashmius Ruchnius. The process of creation is the conversion of energy into matter. The process of human life is the conversion of matter into energy. Which basically sums it up. Or to quote the words of the great Jewish Choykrim in the Sifre Musser, Hagbaras Hatsura al Hachoymer. Tsura, energy, Choymer, matter. The cosmos is development from energy into matter. So, according to that, you should be able to put in a nail without the hammer. Ultimately, the Medr says that right? you're going to come on Shabbos and pick off a fig from a fig tree, and the fig is going to scream, Shabbos Hayoim! without throwing rocks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm translating it based on the Rambam's description, Hilchis Yisraeli, I tell you that Surah is the Neshama of something. It's connected to physical form as well, because physical form usually is what allows you to see the theme of the object. But here we're talking Surah in terms of uh, inner inner substance, the inner core. So that's the process, that's Maise Shemayim Varetz. Hashem takes divine energy, so to speak, Himself, and he converts it into the world that we all observe and experience. We now enter into this world, and what do we have? We have this world, we have our bodies, and we have the world. And we now take the matter, and we look at the matter, and we say, and now let's bring you back to your energy. Sublimate you back to your energy. And that's the whole process. It's the process of food that we have been discussing. Food has matter, and food has energy. And you know... The parts of the food that are more matter <laughs> have less energy. And the parts of the food that are more energy are more energy, less matter. And that process to be able to look at the matter and align it and bring it back to the energy, that's a process of yesh ayin. Generally, all processes where the human being transcends the husk, the shell, the klipa, of the paradigm where the brute is the only yesh, and they allow the geshem, with the, they, he aligns, he brings up, the Geshem to the Ruach, the Chaimah to the Tzura, that's the process of Yesh Ayin, and he says that the whole Torah and Mitzvah basically is a form of sublimation from Yesh to Ayin. From the physical to the energy, from the, from the material to the transcendent. And that's because you can't compare making from Ayin Yesh to making from Yesh Ayin. Why is it such a bigger Chiddush? <laughs> Say, okay, it's a different process. Why is it such a Chiddush? So he says in the top of 132, This is based on another Maimer Chazal. We have a klal. Gemira means we have a tradition. We learned. Heaven gives. Heaven does not take. means you give. It gives. Mishkal shakal in Aramaic means takes. Mishkal shakli. You know where this Gemara comes from? You remember anybody? You mean Ibchanina bin Daisa. You mean Ibchanina bin Daisa, right? Ibchanina bin Daisa should be Tainest of Chofei. Atazoi. Ibchanina bin Daisa, the Gemara says, was a Malumad bin Nisim, but he was very, very poor. So his wife says, How long do we have to suffer? The Gansavelt, the whole world gets nourishment from you, and we have nothing. It says, Boy, Rachma, 
Yotzusukim in pisas yad. He got a gift from heaven. Came in pisas yad like a. Uh, it looked like pisas yad, the palm of a hand, and it was made of gold. And then he saw that uh, that it's going to be taken from Olam Haba. So he asked it should be taken back, and they took it back. And the Gemara says, "Godel hoya nes acher and yosim in erishon." The Gemiri, the me of Yavi, Mishkaloi Shakli. Tainus chafeyam and Aleph. Could be. From heaven they give, they don't take. So the fact that he got that itself was a miracle. But the nesa acher and that they took it back was yosim in erishon. What pshat? If heaven could give, heaven could take. What pshat? Rebbeinu Shlomo could give, he takes back. Chaytes dalter Rebbe, Hainu ah. Because one is a process of converting energy into matter, and one is a process of converting matter into energy. And that's a whole different process. It's a little bit of a, a, a long, long sentence here, which is soon going to finish. There's the Oir V'Shefa Elikis. Oir is light and Shefa is flow. So there's the divine energy that comes from Ayin Liyesh. What do we mean it comes from Ayin? Not that God is nothing. It comes from a state that we call Ayin. Because again, in the world of the nail, words don't exist. It just doesn't, doesn't add up to anything. In my orbit, it's just not a reality. Which, by the way, is one of the f- most fundamental components, by the way, in communication. To understand what is reality for the people you're talking to. Sometimes you're talking to people about something that in their world is iron. You know how successful you're going to be? Iron, that's how successful you'll be. And you don't realize that. Favas estimate. Why don't you hear what I'm saying? Because I don't hear what you're saying. As far as I know, you're talking about nothingness. In your world, it may also be I, you're just making believe it's a yesh. Or it may take a be. But that understanding where the person is coming from is critical, is vital. Because if in his world it's an I, you didn't tell me anything. Mamish spoke to me about nothing. Right? And this is very important. Kids grow up, for example, hearing a lot about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or Hashem, or God, or Ganeidin, or Gehenim. Does anybody stop to bother and say, what is this thing you call HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How do you re- what, what does it mean for you? You'll be shocked to hear what 40-year-olds say about it, what 70-year-olds say about it, right? Never mind what 14-year-olds say about it. It's taken for granted. How, how do they know? Well, what does it mean? It may be so distorted and so inconsistent with anything that makes sense or even matters that it's sometimes frightening. So I talk about something, person has absolutely no clue what it is. But I take it for granted. These things have to be addressed. So when he's creating from I into Yesh, meaning from divine energy Yesh, it comes into what's called Mamalakal. Mamalakal means to fill the worlds. Koya chapoyal benifil. Koya chapoyal benifil means the power of the creator in the creation. Everything has ayin in it. Everything has koya chapoyal benifil means the truth of every material, of every item, of every substance. The truth of it. What is the truth of reality? That's called koyach hapoyol benifel. Be able to see the koyach 
the Magid, the Mezitcha Magid, once looked at a Kaili, a beautiful, beautiful sculptured vessel, and he said that the one who made it was blind on one eye. That's what he said. So it was explained what's Pshat. He recognized the Koyach HaPoyel Benifel. What you create has your energy, but most people don't see the energy. Sometimes if you're a maven in sports, you see how the ball is flying and you know whose shot it was. <laughs> you know who threw it, who the quarterback. You could see, if you're a big mamcha, you see from the movements, <coughs> and you could see the spin, whatever it is. I've the mamcha on this, but there's, there's big experts in this, and they could tell you this is, this is his catch, or this is, this is his throw. But in everything, this koyach apoyel the ultimate koyach apoyel benifel is, you decompose something. What do you get on the bottom, at the core? That's called koyach apoyel. That itself has many, many layers until you hit the ayin. The ayin is the koyach As I told you, the fascinating thing today is that we know that 99.9% of every physical item is empty space. That's where the koyach apoyel, the ayin is. It's literally ayin. You look at it, it's empty space. What's there? That's where the Dvar Hashem is. That is actually where reality happens. That is where reality is. If you have a sensitivity to it. Our eyes don't like dealing with empty space. So we turn it into a yesh. And now we can say it's a table and life works. But we do it all the time. The openness to be able to understand the ayin, the dynamics. Now what happens if the doors of perception were cleansed and you could see your own ayin? What do you think would happen to you? If you would see your own ayin? Huh? Love Dafka? Love Dafka frightening. But let's say you'd be able to see. First of all, you would see yourself in a dynamic, always in a there's no always in a state of, of, of motion, of movement. Every moment, that's what he says here. On that level, there's no such a there's no such a thing as a thing. It's a it's it's a, it's a, it's a vibrant, it's a vibrant dynamic flow. That is all the Mayayin Liesh. Now he's medayi. What's that? Va'ata mechayes kolam. Pidush ata, aleph tov vehe mitzoyes apeh. You give vitality to all. This is from Vayevorech David. Va'ata, ata is three letters. Aleph tov and hey. Aleph to tov represents the twenty-two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Hey represents the hey mitzoyes apeh. There are four vocal sources for all of the twenty-two letters. For example, aleph ches hey ayin come from the throat. Beis vav mem pei. Come from the ma- lips. You open your lips, try to say a. B- b- you won't be able to say. You could say a ah, ha, ha, ah. I can't say a. B- try saying a base without the lips. There's five moitzais. Moitzah means the source where all letters are formed from. Aleph, tof are the letters, and hey is the source. Hey, moitzais apeh. This means. That the whole primary core of all ishtalshlus, of all creation on all levels, is really letters. All the chiyos comes from Aleph, through Taf, which comes from He. Of course, you read this, you say, whole ishtalshlus comes from Oisius. I'm just compelled to say this, if you'll ask today, right? The great physicist, what is matter made up of? And the most cutting edge answer will be, Letters, basically letters, almost like a computer, uh, a computer code, a computer program code. You talk about DNA, yeah, the DNA, the basic, basic structure of our organisms. What is? How do they describe DNA? Basically, as letters, letters, letters wrapped up in a 
in the, like so to speak in a scroll, but incredibly how much you have there. But it's basically letters, Isis. And in this sense, the whole the universe is united because it's all Isis. It's essentially Isis. It's Va'at, Aleph, Tof Hey. After the 22 letters, you have another five letters, which are the double letters of Aleph base. Shlosmem, Mem Soifis, Nun Soifis, Lange Nun, Lange Tzadik, Lange Pei, and Lange Chof. Man Tzapach, Mem, Nun Tzadik, Pei, Chof. So it's 22 plus 5. These five in Kabbalah represent the Hamut Sapeh, the five sources from where all the letters come out. They're also known as the Hegvuris, because Isis represent division, the division of the energy, which always comes from Gvura, discipline that creates separation and division. So they're called Hegvuris. And this is the process of creation. Bezel, this is Yahavi. From heaven they always give. Hainu. It's not only Reb Chanina ben Reb Chanina ben Daisa felt it, but this is the process. This is what heaven does. It gives. The process of Shemayim is that there's always a flow of divine energy from nothingness to somethingness in order to give vitality to the worlds. What do we mean from Ayin Liyash? From a state of transcendent intangible energy to a state of tangible Geshem that we can relate to and we don't call this Ayin, we call it a Yesh. And yet what fills it? The Ayin. This is perception number one. From God's perspective, the Yesh is really the final product. It's just the... It's, I'm not going to call it a joke, it's not a joke, but it's basically just a manifestation of all the energy. Action happens in the world of Ayin. This is the perspective of Shemayim. This is Maisa Shemayim Varetz, the creation of heaven and earth, which is always from Ayin Liyesh, where Oyer and Chiyus, energy converts into matter. Avol b'chines tzaddikim g'doylem in Maisa Shemayim Varetz. When it comes to tzaddikim, which represents v'amechulam tzaddikim, the human condition, it's even greater than shemayim varetz. Why? Shemahapchim umevaredim. Aidei b'chines hatikun, parts of Odom, b'chines yesha gashmi, lis oila l'b'chines ayin de la'ela, shuhu yesha amiti. The hezverter. My love, the avoid of a person, is much greater, because they do the transformation, the unnatural, the metamorphosis. As a result of operating in a space of tikkun, which is parts of Adam, the parts of the structure, the organism of Adam, Shema, the human being could look at the Yeshagashmi and take it and transform it and elevate it so it should be Oila Lepchines Ayin de Laele Shehu Ayesh Amiti. Now it converts. He takes the Yesh and he brings it up to the Ayin de Laele. What's Ayin de Laele? literally means the higher nothingness. Higher than Togo. Right? which is the ultimate Yesha Amiti, it's the real Yesh, because Lamaila, that is Yesh, and our Yesh is Ayin, and the person has that capacity to be able to steer at the Yesh, and not only not fall in the process, fall prey, but actually align or sublimate or metamorphosize that Yesh and bring it, align it with its own core, which is the Ayin, the Laela, which is the real Yesh, which is Gar the Yesh. This means... Aligning physicality with spirituality is not about the destruction of the matter. It's about bringing it to a state where its somethingness becomes real rather than illusionary. And that's the question. The question in life is, 
And we come back here to a very common theme. What is Avodah Hashem? Is, what is Avodah Hashem? To make from Yesh Ayin is really to make from Ayin Yesh. <laughs> to make from Yesh Ayin is really to take that which seems like a Yesh and turn it into a real Yesh. Turn it into real existence. Bitul Ayesh Ayin means making the Yesh a real Yesh. That's why he finishes Shehu Ayesh Amiti. That is the only real Yesh. You allow it to have real substance. Why? Because it becomes a reflection of its divine core. And once it becomes a reflection of its divine core, now it exists for real. Now its substance is real. Now its substance is not only on display. Not, it's, not, it's not only illusory. It's not only in your own perception. A temporary, transient perception of life. But rather it becomes ayin, which is the, which is, which is guard the real yesh. Because what you're calling nothingness is edge somethingness. <laughs> that is real. That is where life begins. That is where reality begins. What do we say? We're sublimating it, aligning it, bringing back to the ultimate yesh. What does that mean? With our torments, it's, it's, it's that we're changing our consciousness. That's what he means? That we're recognizing? Words, we're not doing anything to the divine energy. That's, when we can't be Mishana God, but we're doing, it's that we're doing something to ourselves and therefore restoring it into our consciousness. Yes, yes. I think it's, I think it's the process happens on, on different levels. The first thing is a consciousness issue. Really, the core of Torah and Mitzvahs is the metamorphosis of mindfulness, of consciousness, from perceiving the self and other selves and the world around us from being just a a brute, physical, external reality and to be able to perceive within ourselves and within that which is around us its soul, its inner consciousness. That's a change of attitude, it's a change of perception. It's a change of perspective. Essentially, every mitzvah in one form or another. What does uh, Rashi say? Uh, when he told him to give machzis hashekel, so the Mepharshim struggle. What was the problem with machzis hashekel? That he had to show him Remember, I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he said, Azoi, he said, As when a kind named a penny or a nickel on Gittes of Tzdoka is a fire dick a nickel. It's fire dick. When a child takes a nickel and gives it for Tzdoka, it's not a nickel. It's fire. The nickel is on fire. At surface, you're giving a coin. What are you doing? You're giving a coin. Essentially, the Tzdoka really, what is Tzdoka? Stucker recognizes the unity of creation, the organic symmetry of creation, the fact that it's not just I versus you. I share something with you. So that very, that very mitzvah is another example of taking the yesh and aligning it and bringing it up to a state of ayin. The same is true with tefillah, the same is true with Torah, the same is true with every single mitzvah. In one way or another is the hisalos of the yesh to the ayin. And all of Torah is based on this premise. This is G'doyle Maiset Tzadikim. This is already a Chiddush. Because this is not the process of heaven. This is how earth responds to heaven. Heaven gives, heaven doesn't take. This is what Tzadikim do. This is what we do. That we give, bring it back. We say, here's Yesh, and now let me give it back to you. 
וזהו עניין, אנחנו מוידם לך. This is the מוידם לך. This is the מוידם. What's the מוידם? מוידם חכמם לרב מאיר. There's a מחלוקס. מחלוקס says between me and myself. What is reality? That's the question. What is reality? What is not reality? What is real and what is fake? What is it? It's a big machlaikas. The machlaikas happens in me constantly. Every day it's a machlaikas. So how do you start off your day? Moidani lefanecha. How do you start off davening? Nusach svart. Hoidu l'ashem kiru b'shmoi. And in the Ashkenazim it takes a few minutes. But they'll also get there. But we all start at the same time with Moidani. Moidani, everybody is the same. Today. Rabbi Shapiro once said, there was once a Pesada, you know, Jewish local politics, so he said, Azai, the Machlaikas is, Haidu before Baruch Shama, Baruch Shama before Haidu. But it comes to Yehi Chvoid Hashem La'olam, everybody has to be on the same page. Yehi Chvoid Hashem La'olam, they should be on the same page. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Why do you start off with Haidah? He says, that's already the second bracha. Because the moment you wake up in the morning, you have to acknowledge there's a Machlaikas going on. Mashcheyel Lebeis HaMedrash. Then you open your eyes, there's a Machlaikas. Don't think there's no Machlaikas. <laughs> Machlaikas. Machlaikas is what's reality. The outer or the inner. The external or the deeper. That which I may sense immediately, or that which I know with my mind's eye, or with my heart's eye. It's right away a Machlaikas. And the first premise is, that even though my instincts or my addictions or my fears or my insecurities or my short-sightedness or just my natural biological self will not acknowledge the ayin as reality, all I will acknowledge is the most superficial yesh. And in that itself, it may be the superficial yesh. The process of the journey of my day is going to be one in which... I will constantly align my own yesh to my own ayin, and the yesh of the world to the ayin of the world. And by doing that, I will allow the yesh to actually become a real yesh, a yesh amiti. Rather than a fake yesh, it actually becomes a real yesh, because the truth sets you free. The truth gives you, the truth gives you real substance. A vote from Reb Nachman in Lekutim Maharan. He says, Azoi, it says in Prikayavis, Hamahalech, Baderech Yechidi. What's the Lashon? Uh, anybody remembers Prikiyavis here? We don't learn that anymore. Uh, no, no, not that one. Halon. Halon Balayla. You know, the guy, the, the guy who hangs out all night alone. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about? Harezim is Chayev Benavsheh. Perik Gimel, Shmishna Dalit, Rebchanina, the son of Chachinoi. Hanea Belayla, you're up at night. You know those people? Hamahalich Baderich, nobody at this shear. Hamahalich Baderich Yechidi. And you take a hike alone. Umefana Liboy Levatola. And you uh, allow your heart to go idle. You're endangering your life. Al Pipshat, it's basically a life of, of chaos. You're up a whole night instead of sleeping. You go outside alone, it's dangerous. All you think about is nothing. You know who you end up with. And you know what you end up with. You're up at night, because in the middle of the day you can't think, because everyone is up and there's commotion. You have to be up at night so you could do his boydidus. You have to go alone in the, in the woods. Yechidi means you go with the yachid, with Hashem. 
and you meditate, and you make him your best friend, you do his boidudus, and you sometimes go to the forests in the middle of the night, and you scream on top of your lungs, Tate Abu! And you take your heart and you mavatal it. You mavatal it from being an egotistical, self-centered reality where you have to protect yourself. And you just allow it to melt. You just allow it to become part of God. In Sifre in philosophy, there's a famous distinction between two types of realities. There's a reality called Efshari Hametzias, there's a reality called Mechuyev HaMetzius. Efshari HaMetzius means possible existence. Mechuyev HaMetzius means necessary existence. The Rambam and the Mary Nevuchim has this a lot. Many swarm of philosophy. What's the difference? Ah? Yes, what's the difference between a possible reality and a necessary reality? What's a possible reality? Reality, A possible reality means it's an Efshari. It's a Metzius that's Efshar. Efshar Azoi. When Efshar Fakert. It's possible this way, it's possible that way. For example... This cup is mechuyev to be here, Rabbi Isai. What do you think? Huh? No, look. <laughs> Nothing happened, right? Now I'm going to ask you, I'm mechuyev to be here? <laughs> no, now let's ask anything. Is there anything that's mechuyev to be anywhere? No. It happens to be here. It happens to be. It could have been here. It could have been there. But now let's take it a step deeper. Is there anything that's mechuyev to be <laughs> What? What's mechuyev? What could say about itself? I'm mechuyev to be. Cemeteries are filled with people who thought they were irreplaceable. But, huh? What's mechuyev to be? What's mechuyev to be? What could say? I'm mechuyev to be. I'm mechuyev to be. I'm, I like being. <laughs> okay. This is mitzad the melech. But mitzad the am, yeah? Mitzad every person in the am, yeah? If, if I'm not around, what happens to Trump? Okay? And if he's not around, what happens to Trump? There's nothing in the world that's a mechuyev ha Nothing. Nothing is necessary. Everything is possible. You're here. You're here. Make the best out of it. Is there even reality that's mechuyev ha The beginning of understanding God is to understand this. Is there such a thing called necessary reality? Or not? Everything is just possible. So it's cause. Somebody caused it to be here. But the cause of the cup was also caused by a cause. Who was caused by a cause, who was caused by a cause. And that first mother also didn't have to be here. And then the cup wouldn't be here. That first tree didn't have to be here. Yes, all the apple trees come from the sea that came from a previous apple tree, that from previous, what's called an ant, uh, uh, a antecedent, Elah, back, 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 back. But that itself was of Shari Hametzias. He says, now go back to the Mishnah. <laughs> if you're up at night, when the world slows down, so you could connect to reality, and you go in the road alone, Yechidi, with the Yachid Shalolam, and you take your heart and you mevatel it to the Yachid, you turn your soul into a Mechuyev HaMetzias. Mishayev Benafshay. The nefesh becomes a Mechuyev Dekimetzias. Because it's Yashamiti. <laughs> because you're because you're Yashamiti. When you, the I when the Yesh becomes Ayin, it becomes a Yashamiti. It doesn't really become Ayin, it becomes a Yashamiti. 
That's why we always speak, what's bittel? Bittel is not self-destruction. Bet bittel actually means the realization of the self in the deepest sense where it becomes one with the yesh. It has to go through the process of ayin because the outer yesh resists us. The outer yesh says, if you challenge me, you're going to become nothing. <laughs> and you have to comfort it and say, no, no, no. That's the yesh amiti. That's the yesh amiti. And it has to do even with a person himself. Sometimes the way you live is through protecting yourself. Just pr- always protecting. Everything is protected. Cover-ups. And when you let go of all of that, mefana liber levatola, when you just let go of that, hareza meschayev benavshay, then actually the person can begin to align themselves and to experience a yashamiti. That is more gadol demaisa shemayim varetz. That's the human miracle. God's miracle is mayayin liyash. Okay, apel avgot. He's God. If I was God, I can also make yesh for my. The real miracle is G'dayla Maiset Tzadikim in Maiset Shemayim Varetz. Why? That's already the way back. Mishamayim goes down, but to take, oh, that's the Nesa Acheren, is G'dayla Minarishin. Because the first is a divine miracle. The second is a human miracle. And that's why the Balatani explains an interesting thing. How many Psukim are there for the creation of the world? Huh? How many Psukim describe the creation of the universe? The whole universe. Literally. Huh? <laughs> You're going to cheat? 31 psukim. Flamad al psukim, the beginning of Bereshus. You give me 31 minutes and I'll give you the world. 31 verses, I'll give you the world. How many psukim are dedicated for the building of the Mishkan, Abay How many psukim for the building of the Mishkan? Truma, Tetzave, part of Kisisa, the whole Vayakel, the whole Pkude, six Parshias, and then later other details, <coughs> approximately 700 Pesukim. Fregechai, how large is the universe? <laughs> no, no, the whole universe. In, you're dealing with infinity. At least from our perception, infinity. How big was the Mishkan, you know? The Mishkan. No, no, the Mishkan was a detailed... A hundred and... Oh, the Mishkan was detailed, and the universe no, no, is not no, no. detailed, you right? Your brain is not detailed. You Your brain is much more detailed than the Mishkan. A hundred million neurons and fifty trillion cells, much more detailed than the Mishkan. Look in the mirror. A <laughs> hundred and fifty feet by seven, in the length, by seventy-five feet in the breadth. Basically, it was a mobile shtibel. It was like one of these houses on Forche that comes up and down every few days. We're like in a Mishkan there. That's what it was. So, the universe, which is infinite. And 5,000 years later, scientists haven't even scratched the surface of the meaning of a cell or an atom. 31 psukim. I'm done. And the Mishkan, a mobile shtibel. Yes, intricate, intense, nuanced, beautiful, dazzling. Hundreds and hundreds of psukim, what's pshat? What's pshat? It's a psah, mod netsushta. You know, they say that a Jew gave a silk, uh, a silk material from Italy to a tailor to make him a suit. He made up in three weeks, he'll have a suit. Six months later, he didn't have a suit. A year later, he has the suit. He says, I don't understand you, he says. Even the world, it took God six days. A suit takes you a year. He says, how do you compare? <laughs> 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 My 
suit. That's a good God's will. Shine an accomplishment. Now what's pshat? But now we understand pshat. I'll tell you to put it in these words: for an infinite God to create a finite home for finite man is not that great of an achievement. After all, that's what an infinite God is capable of. But for a finite human being to create a home for an infinite God, that's a revolution. And that's the revolution of Yiddishkeit. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.